Let's start by standing together as we sing and worship God. We'll sing number, number 202 from the hymnal. number 572 in your hymnal if you'd like to read from that red hymnal. Oh, 
towards us that brings us here today. We worship you, Father. You love us unconditionally. You give to us generously. You forgive us always. We thank you, Father. And we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning from Kid Street as well. You can see we have a big stack of boxes right over here, don't we? Yeah, we've been uh, collecting Operation Christmas Child boxes all month. So today is the day we're going to send them out so that the kids uh, can get them before Christmas, right? And get them delivered. So, um, you know, got me thinking about boxes. Um, you know, sometimes we put things in boxes to keep, right? Or to move them. Uh, sometimes we have toys that we put in a box, right? So that we don't step on them when we're walking around the house, right? So we, we use boxes for a lot of different things. It's important that we don't put God in a box. We don't limit his power. Sometimes we think, oh, this is just something I need to handle. Or, oh, you know, sometimes things happen. We need to remember that God is the God that made the entire universe, right? He's all-powerful. If we have things in our life that are going on, we can pray to him. He can take care of them. And today we're going to pray over our boxes that not only they get to the children and that the children enjoy what's inside of them, but Operation Christmas Child is about spreading the good news of Jesus to kids that may not have ever heard of Jesus before. Even the adults in their lives may not have heard of Jesus before. So we're going to pray over that. And then we have some picture frames on the pew in front of you. You can pick your favorite color down there. And uh, that's kind of like our own little box. So you can draw a picture, decorate the picture frame, okay? So our scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So won't you bow with me, and then we'll worship the God that is all-powerful. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for all of the blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for uh, the gifts that we have returned to you today to share with children around the world. We ask a special blessing on these gifts, not only that they are enjoyed by the children that receive them, but that your message goes with them and that your love is felt, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to stand and worship if you're able. Don't be afraid to sing out loud. Let's make a joyful noise together. You're the only answer to the darkness. Struggle, my won't let us down. Oh, 
Silence the boast of sin and grace. 
heavens are roaring, praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names, what a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King, what a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus The ushers will be in the back to receive your gifts and offerings, or you can use the app uh, during these COVID times. So will you bow with me? Dear Lord, we are in awe of your power in every circumstance. We thank you for taking our place and conquering sin and death. We are humbled by you moving in our lives daily. Help us to take these gifts that we have collected so that we can spread your news, your good news to those around us and far away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Nate and Brian, open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would. The book of Ephesians in your New Testament. The book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Continuing in our series, God's Word, The Path to Life. Remember, the point of this whole series is that God wants to teach us how we can live our lives on this earth. That's one of the teaching ministries of the church. And I said this often I know that many here have been educators. The church is the largest educational organization on the planet. We've been here 2,000 years, continue to get larger in good times and bad. We teach Jesus, not just how to be saved, but how to live your life as Christian. So we continue in that today. And as we study God's word, we are given a path to life if we want to see it that way. Ephesians chapter 1. Today we're going to deal with the topic of power. If you watch news at all, watch current events, people talk about power every day. So we're going to talk about what power is, how you can use it, the source of power and things like that. Ephesians chapter 1. As always, we begin with a time of prayer. Pray for our nation under new leadership. Pray that we would be able to be united. 
we're going to disagree. That is the nature of humanity. Just the way it is. We're never going to agree on everything. Fact is, generally when people say they all agree on everything, I know someone's lying because it's just not our nature to agree with everybody all the time. So we disagree, but we can stand together. My wife and I disagree on so many things, and yet we stand together. My brothers and sisters disagree on everything, and yet at Thanksgiving we eat a common meal and we love each other. We fuss like everybody else. So we can do this as a nation. So pray that we can get past the current mania that is media-driven and be people once again. I'll give you a few moments of silent prayer. I'll close and we'll look at this passage together. Would you join me, please, as we pray? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your presence this morning. We know that as we gather, you are with us in a very special way. We welcome your presence. We open our hearts to your Holy Spirit. We open our minds to the influence of your word. We thank you, Father, for that promise that when we gather in your name, you are with us. We worship you, Father. We submit ourselves to you and to the teachings in your word. We ask that you would teach us in this time. Not just teach us, but shape us and lead us to change so that we might honor you. Father, we thank you for your word which teaches us and challenges us. Help us to discern in your word that path for this life. Give us a willingness to apply your word to our lives, to allow your Holy Spirit to mold and shape us in the image of Jesus. We pray, Father, that we would take the idea of being a disciple of Jesus seriously. Not for the goal of perfection, but for the goal of honoring you, of living a life that honors you in all we do, that you might mold us into that perfect image of Jesus. As always, Father, we come and gather knowing that we're a sinful people. Even at our best, we are tainted by our sin. So we ask for mercy, Father. Cleanse us of our sin. Give us pure hearts. We pray, Father, that you would help us to receive the forgiveness that you offer. Help us to recognize our sin and confess it to you. And then on the basis of our faith in your teachings to move on. We pray for the ability to reshape our lives. To change bad habits. To overcome evil ways of thinking. Lord, in this great land, we are divided by so many things. Help us. Help us to move past those ideas that tend to separate us. Help us to recognize that in Christ, Christians are one. Help us to recognize that old biblical truth that we are all created in the image of God, regardless of color or ethnicity or all those things that divide us. We pray, Father, that you would use the miracle that is your church to bring us together. As always, we pray for our soldiers, our first responders, those healthcare workers, protect them, use them to bring peace and justice and healing, comfort their families. Lord, you have blessed us with so many things. We thank you for this world, the beauties of nature for allowing us to live in this time and place. Father, we are wealthy. We thank you. We have Jesus as Savior and guide. And we thank you. And we have this hope that cannot be taken from us. Thank you. Be with us now. Teach us from your word. And help us to be people that honor you in all we do and say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So power, not electricity power, even though that's an issue, isn't it? But power, power of one person over another, power of genders over another, 
power of races over another. If you think about it, every time you turn on the TV, if you listen, you are hearing discussions about power. Who has it? Who wants it? How we can get it? In this recent election, there was a mass vying for power, wasn't there? I mean, that's what it's all about. Who's going to have power in Senate? So people talk about power all the time. In your relationships, you may not talk about who's got control, but you are conscious, aren't you, of someone who has control. Sometimes it's a young child. A young boy doing what he wants has power, doesn't he, Lorena? My granddaughter, one years old, has power because she is unstoppable. Betty, stop talking. Uh-uh. Betty, don't climb. Uh-uh. She has absolute power. Now, I can physically hold her for a time, but I eventually wear out. And if I can't pass her out and tag team her to somebody else, Betty wins. That's power, isn't it? You see, we are familiar with the concept of power. We may not talk about it, but there is power in every relationship. Think of your friends you gather, or your family and you gather. When there's a decision to be made, who makes it? There's usually one person, isn't there? In Tammy's large family, and this was years ago, it was always Ethel. Ethel had power. Ethel was the matriarch. She was quite old. Nobody messed with Ethel. And we understood who the power was. When I went into the family, when I was just starting to date Tammy, it took me at least 30 seconds to discern who was in control. Ethel had the power. Big, strong men said, let's check with Ethel first. I understood power. And it's just the way things are in all families, in all organizations, in every realm of life, there is this issue of power. Just like the church. There are people in the church who, by virtue of their personal strengths, sometimes by virtue of their witness in the faith, have power and influence. Power can be good or bad, depending on how you use it. But interestingly enough, in the early church, the issue of power was a big issue. Because it can be used for good or for ill. It can be a uniting force. Or it can separate people. Interestingly, before we even get to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there were discussions about power. In the beginning, God created. And by spoken word, life began. And then, in the Exodus, a burning bush. And there was a voice. And Moses... Just a guy with a checkered history, living in the desert, living the life, responded to God's power and led the Hebrew people, the slaves, out of Egypt. By God's power, the sea was parted. Later we saw in the book of Judges and so many other stories that God's power discerned between good and evil. Remember those stories? If people did well and followed God, God's power blessed them. If they rejected God's power, if they resisted his leadership, God's power punished them. People became aware of God's power. And finally, in the New Testament era, we see God's power demonstrated in the birth of a child of miraculous birth. Jesus, normal kid, unusual birth, grew up to be a normal man who became Messiah, crucified by God's power, resurrected. You see, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is this issue of power, God's power. And we learn from the passage we're going to read that God's power can change everything. It is an overwhelming force that gives light and life. Follow along with me if you would. Ephesians chapter 1. I'll read verses 18 through 23. Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened... So that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and a power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
So Paul writing to the early church at Ephesus, responding to some situations, trying to address the issue of power and what Christianity was. See, there's always been an effort to kind of intellectualize Christianity, to just make it something where it's stuff you learn and you train. You know, I mentioned the church as an educational arm of the church, and we often stop there and think that if you get facts, if you learn material, you gain the ability to function as Christian. Nothing could be further from the truth. The fact that a man or woman learns scales of music doesn't make him a musician, does it? The fact that someone can strum a guitar doesn't make them a guitarist. The fact that someone knows what musicians are good or anything like that doesn't make them a musician. Material, factual data doesn't necessarily bring power But how you utilize that data, whether or not you allow God's power to begin to work, then your life begins to change. So today we talk about how God's power can change us. In our passage, Paul mentions several things, and we'll go through these fairly quickly. Look at verse 18 again, still chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That your eyes may be enlightened. There is huge power when people's eyes open. You know what I mean, don't you? That thing where you go, oh. When someone explains something to you and it's not happening. We've all been there. And then something clicks and your eyes open. You can see it with little kids all the time. You can tell them something until you're blue in the face and nothing happens. And then, oh. And it's changing, life-changing. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. God's power makes you go, oh, because it's not just factual data. It's life-changing influences. You go, oh, that's what God means. God's word, God's power enables you to see life from a different perspective. You know, we, we grow up in a certain way and we have perspectives given to us by culture and by influences, and by parents. And then somewhere along the way, God gets through, and we go, oh. That's what we're talking about. God's power leads to those aha moments where you understand what he's talking about. Look at verse 19. What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us believe in accordance with the working of the strength of his might? So, in Christ... There is a sense of power. Again, moving from understanding things on one level to beginning to understand and allow God to work in your life. You and I, as followers of Jesus, know what I'm talking about. You may not talk about it openly, but you remember, don't you, the day you received Jesus as Savior. You remember that. I've never heard of a Christian who forgot. They may not know the date or the place, but you remember that moment For me, I was a dumb kid. I had felt guilty for months. Didn't know anything. How I sat through church sermons for years and didn't hear a thing. Impossible, but it happens every day, doesn't it? I heard sermon after sermon, sat through those long-winded evangelists, went to revival services. Mom and dad made me go to all those bad potluck meals. You remember the way we used to do it. And then I remember that day, the preacher said something. I go... Oh, and then my mom and daddy made me go talk to the preacher, horror. And the moment I said that prayer after the preacher, because I didn't even know what to pray. And I said that sinner's prayer, God save me, I, I trust you. I remember literally feeling the weight off my shoulders. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's different for everybody. But that's the way it is, isn't it? God changes us. What I did that morning in the preacher's office, against my will, until I started talking to the preacher, because mom and daddy made me do it, was I felt God's power cleanse me. Wasn't a fact of knowledge, because I could have answered the questions. It was a question of my eyes were open, and then I allowed God to speak and do. And I was changed. And then he goes on and talks about in verse 22. Look at this. 
And he put all things in subjection under his feet, gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's all about Jesus. All this talk about power and new life and cleansing, it's wasted effort until you get to Jesus. It's, it's good information, but it's all through Jesus. I wasn't saved that morning in the preacher's office because I was a good kid. I wasn't saved because my mom and daddy made me talk to the preacher. I was saved because in Jesus, God worked to cleanse me, just like he did you, regardless of the place or the time, regardless of the emotions. When you ask Jesus to save you, he did that. God's power is released and applied when you call on the name of Jesus. So there's this thing about power that's more than just preacher talk. It is accessible to everybody through Jesus. It is accessible to anyone who prays, Jesus save me. It is accessible to people even when they don't understand the gospel. I used to think that God only worked with Christians. And he couldn't work. And I had this thrill in my life, you know, how we used to think it. And God only worked the way I thought he should work. That's silly. And then I realized somewhere along the way, reading scripture, that it looked like God broke all his rules when he wanted to. God chooses to work as he will. He could work in people's lives. Now, they weren't Christian without following Jesus. That's right. But God can often work in times in people's lives and apply his power to the situations in order to bring them to faith. It is not uncommon to hear Christians talk about how God worked and then out of response they got saved. They received Jesus as a result of his power at work in their lives. This is the way it works. God's power is released to work with us through Jesus. Look at verse 18 if you would. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? The great hope of faith is often called salvation in eternal life. That's one aspect, isn't it? We have this hope that in death we are saved, right? Don't know all of what that means. It means I don't have to be afraid to die. It means at the moment of death, when I close my eyes and lose consciousness here, I awake in the presence of God. And for the rest of eternity, God is with me. And God protects me. And God cares for me. And I don't understand all the details, and I don't have to. But that's a conviction. I do not have to be afraid of death. But that's not the only hope that is in Christ. The hope that Paul talks about to these Christians in Ephesus was hope for Christians that lived under an oppressive Roman government. They would never be free of the Roman soldiers. They would never be free of Roman oppression. They would never be truly free as we think of freedom. And yet they could live with hope that somehow in this life God was going to work. That in spite of circumstances, they could experience the goodness of God. And indeed, that has been the message of the church. Historically, the church has thrived, not necessarily in good, healthy, happy cultures, but the church has thrived in cultures where people were in agony. Why? Because in Christ, there is hope. Because it's hope not based on the facts of the situation. It's not based on politics or newspaper articles or anything you learn. It's based on the power of God at work through Jesus. It's hope that in this life, there is joy. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things, the church. God's power and work through the church. So on screen are some ideas of how God's power can work. First of all, there's no limits. Read this passage with me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You've read the story of Paul. Paul was just a guy. If you met him, he's kind of pushy. You might not like him. But God's power was in that guy. And as a direct result of, direct result of God's power at work through this one regular man, equipped as God had done, 
He sent him all over the world under an oppressive Roman government. He defied the government everywhere he went. He challenged them. Everything he did was worthy of death. And yet he escaped. He survived. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was whipped. Shipwrecked. Hated. Despised. Lost his family. And yet God's power at work in that one guy was able to change human history. Because through the efforts of Paul, the church was established all over the known world at the time. To one guy. Now, God was working under the Christians, yes. But Paul was the guy, flawed as he was, that God used. He wasn't necessarily smarter than anyone. He wasn't even, even any better than anyone. In fact, he said, I want to do good things and I can't. I don't want to do bad things and I do. He understood the struggle within him and yet God used him. God's power has no limits. Sometimes you will see Things that are impossible to do. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of a pragmatist. I'm, I'm kind of a buzzkill for a lot of things. And over my years as pastor, I've killed a lot of good ideas. And in retrospect, I realize that God might have done something, but I shot it down. Some of you are like me, aren't you? Good ideas? No, I don't agree. Not going to do it. What we have to learn to do is allow God to work. Sometimes God's power is limited by our inability to think he can do anything. What we have to do is allow God to work. I think of things I've done as pastor. Sometimes I, I shot down great ideas. And as a result, God didn't work. And then once in a while, when I stepped out of the way, God worked. And you know, the crazy thing is, I was surprised. I don't know why God works. No limits sometimes. Next on screen... Power over our fears and weaknesses. Read this with me. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. This is a fancy way of saying don't let your emotions determine what you do. If you are afraid, pay attention to your fear, but don't let it stop you. God hasn't behind that fear. God uses fear to make you alert to situations. He uses fear to help you to be aware of the ins and outs of a situation. But he doesn't necessarily want you to be stopped because something scares you. Learn. I think it was Dolly Parton told me that, uh, told me, <laughs> through the miracles of modern communication, she told me one day. She was talking the first time she tried to sing. It was at church. And she vomited in the baptistry. She was just so nervous. And yet she knew that that was what she was supposed to be doing. She didn't catch it in religious turn. But it's interesting. She was at a church, wasn't she? And she overcame those fears. The point is, don't let your fears determine what you do in life. So many of us are like that. Don't let the power of your fear hold you back. Instead, God's power can help you overcome those things that terrify you. Next screen. Power to transform life. Read this with me. The Lord Jesus Christ will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. In other words, God can change you. He can take a child, a little boy or girl who is afraid to talk in public, who can't sing, can't talk, can't do, and turn them into people that are amazing. Remember, Moses couldn't hardly talk. That was his excuse. God, you can't use me. I, I stutter too much. I got a problem. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And he did. Singers that get afraid and vomit. God says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. And he does. Sometimes... Kids that God calls into ministry or to teach a Sunday school class or to lead a group. And they can't. They've never done it before. Turns out they have these incredible gifts. Churches full of stories of God using people who can't and giving them abilities and giving them to become people who do. See, this is what God does. God's power sometimes is miraculous Sometimes it's very subtle and behind the scenes and he just takes normal folk and makes them unstoppable. Sometimes he helps parents deal with difficult situations. 
Sometimes he works in families that are in horrible situations. And you'll hear their stories. I don't know how we did it. It must have been God. And sure enough, God got them through incredibly difficult situations. God works. And the amazing thing is, as Paul says in this passage, it's through the church. And remember, the church isn't an organization or a building. The church is God's people. God teaches us through the church, Christians. God encourages us through the church, Christians. God leads us through the church, Christians. Sometimes it's through a Bible study or a sermon or a song. Sometimes it's through the subtle word of a Sunday school teacher or just a guy who's sitting behind you whispering in your ear at church or something like that. Sometimes God works through people and you never hear about them. They never make a headlines. They never get recognized. But God uses them, using the church, to impact somebody else's life who maybe does great things. This is what God does. So when you hear about power in our culture, understand what real power is. Real power isn't you shooting your mouth off. We can all do that. Real power isn't you being smarter than someone else. Nothing wrong with those things, and that's powerful. Real power is the kind of power that you see at work in God's people. The power that created us from nothing. The power that brought Jesus back from the dead. The power that gives us the ability over decades to pattern our lives after the teachings in Scripture. Read this closing Scripture with me if you would please. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous yen men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. See, 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah wrote this because he had seen it. God's power can change you, can encourage you and embolden you and give you hope. Let me encourage you, follow Jesus as Savior and then allow him to work and allow God's power to change your life. Would you stand with me as Nate comes and leads us? church signs out uh, in the lobby. You can grab one and uh, post it proudly in your, in your yard. So you can grab those on your way out as well. Will you bow with me? Dear Lord, let us take the power that we receive through you into our lives, our jobs, and our neighborhoods, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you.